Hi, and welcome to the Involved Company Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Gonzalez-Sander. I'm so excited to have you here. This podcast has been a long time in the making. For real. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. It really means so much to me. And if you don't know anything about Involved Company, overall, we are a community where we have bold conversations about cultural identity. For me, cultural identity really seeps into every aspect of our lives. So the podcast was really created with modern women of color in mind, where we can take a deep dive to talk about everything from our families to dating, to self-care, to work, to money. I really started this podcast because I wanted to hear more from other women of color about how their families and their culture have really influenced who they are today. I didn't feel like there were enough stories out there that I could relate to. I wanted to hear more from other women of color about the different topics and issues that we're going through on a daily basis. And so today's guest is Fernie Barthelo. I'm so excited to have her because not only is she my therapist (laughs) and my friend, she is like just an amazing human. She has such great energy. She's a holistic therapist for women and also a yoga teacher. And so in this interview, we sit down and talk about inner child work, ancestral healing, and feminine energy. Bernie talks about what it means for her to be white passing and also being really proud of her cultural heritage. Her family immigrated to the United States from Mexico City, and it's just such a good conversation. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. So if you listen to the end of the episode, if you listen partway, please, please, please subscribe to the podcast, rate, share it with a friend. And yeah, if you listen to the end, DM me, send me a message, and I'll think of a really cool prize because that's how excited I am that you're listening. All right, so let's get into it. I'm really excited, and I know you're, honestly, you're going to love this. What? Okay, I'm unzipping my bag. Okay. (gasps) So the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to pull an oracle card. Yes. You already know. Oh, God, and those are beautiful. Aren't they so pretty? Yeah, they're really cute. I'm obsessed with them. They're super cute. Okay. Ooh, okay. So you are, I know you know what to do. <laughs> I'm already shuffling. I know. I'm like, I don't need to tell you what to do with that. Y'all, Fernie is already <laughs> knowing what to do right now. So great. Awareness. Okay. So I'm going to have you read. Okay. What's the little symbol on the bottom? It's like Hexagon? a pentagon. Oh, pentagon. Awareness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you just have to read this part right here. Okay. Let's see. Awareness. Become awareness of the as is every second of old habits that trigger you, that take you back to the same old path of reactivity that stagnates the natural flow of the energy in your body. Be aware of these thoughts and feelings and replace any unaligned emotion with one that you desire to experience. We can access clarity at any time by remembering that we are inextricably linked (laughs) to something larger. So this is like literally like the purpose of why I work with women. Is that right? Yes. It's this sentence. It's like the psychological part is like, be aware of thoughts and feelings that replace any unaligned emotion. And like, my big thing is like, are you aligned with who you want to be? 
And are you living that every day? When you read it. this is like. Yeah. I mean, when you read it, I was like, I feel like Fernie said that to me once. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So. like, I think I've literally said those exact words. Right. Every woman I've worked with. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. So to kind of get into it, mm-hmm. and I know we touched base a little bit about what you do, yeah. but do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. And let people know who you are? Yeah, I would love to. So my name is Fernie Barcelo. I am a yoga teacher, a meditation teacher, and a holistic therapist here in Austin. I see women exclusively, and the grand majority of my clients are women in their 20s and 30s, and most of them have some sort of spiritual practice are very sort of into the new age world, right? Where they want the psychology and the talk therapy aspect of it, but they're also seeking something that's a little bit more esoteric. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's pretty clear that that's who I am. So I draw in that type of woman. I always say like, I kind of am my own ideal client. Mm -hmm. And so I love working with women who want clarity in their life path, whether that's career relationships And using this word alignment that came up in the card reading that is sort of like the big arrow that I try to use to guide my clients is like, first of all, get clear, like, who are you? What Mm -hmm. do you want in your life? What are your actual authentic like passions and desires and everything? And then aligning everything to your life as best you can Mm -hmm. to get as close to that authentic version of yourself. And so obviously there's so many facets of a life. So that might mean we work on your relationships. That might mean you work on your career. Usually it's a little bit of everything, your relationships with your family. And I'm going to get into. Yeah. (laughs) And I use a little bit of astrology. I'm a big astrology nut. I'm not an astrologer by any means, but I've like dipped into it enough Mm -hmm. that I like to know sort of what I'm working with astrologically when a client comes in and use that to guide our sessions. I also do a lot of inner child work, as you're familiar Don't with. Don't I know babe. it? Yes. I, know. <laughs> um, I can't wait to talk about. It. I know, and deeper and deeper I go into that realm because it's been incredibly useful in the sense that it's very productive. It's like I finally found the thing to get really deep, really quickly, mm-hmm. and find connections to current behaviors that are limiting you in a way that feels for me so much more productive than like what I was doing before, which was just like a bunch of psychoanalysis. Mm. So like first, second, third session, we go immediately into family. And so that's where the inner child work starts. By talking about your relationship with your parents and that first relationship. I know. I'm like, oh yes. Because (laughs) for anyone that doesn't know about how I know Fernie, which I'm sure lots of people don't, Mm We met, I don't even know what, at an event, yeah. I think, actually. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we were friends. And yes. I was like, can I still go to you yeah. for therapy, even yeah. though we're friends? Yeah. And you you said, if you feel comfortable with it, I'm comfortable with it. Right. And I said, yep. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So something that we have done a lot was inner child work. Right. And can you explain a little bit about what exactly that means? Absolutely. The inner child work that I do that I feel is sort of the one that most people are hearing about talking about these days, mm-hmm. it takes into consideration your relationship with your parents. And that might mean one parent, that might mean both, that might mean a parental figure if you weren't raised by your parents. So we take that very first relationship that you had, which was with either the parent or the parental figure, mm-hmm. and we explore it. And we go, what out of that relationship sticks out to you as something that might have been missing or in more extreme cases was very obviously like a negative 
circumstance that was happening. Mm -hmm. And I always like to preface any sort of inner child work conversation with that. It's not about blaming the parents whatsoever. This is about recognizing dynamics that were going on early on in your childhood and just seeing Mm -hmm. them for what they are. Not because we want to point a finger at mom or dad, but simply saying, this is how this particular dynamic with mom or dad or parental figure affected you. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's so obvious, one, blaming your parents doesn't solve anything. It doesn't heal anything. It just passes the buck on to someone else. Mm -hmm. And secondly, your parents only could do what they knew. So they're just passing on patterns that were probably going around when they were kids, when your grandparents were kids, et cetera, Mm -hmm. et cetera. So it really is just honoring what was going on at the time and asking questions around what you as a child needed Mm -hmm. because of the dynamics that were at play. So for a lot of people, it was more attention, more emotional sensitivity. Sometimes it was more nurturing. Sometimes it was more independence, right? With really like hands-on parents. Yeah. And basically whatever those dynamics were sort of defined a behavior and ingrained a behavior for you that you're still playing out as an adult. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes that behavior pattern creates some sort of block in your life. And your relationships is usually when it comes up because if we haven't done our sort of work, quote unquote, right, with a big W, then you're likely going to repeat Patterns. Patterns that are not super good in your relationships that were never solved and worked through with your parents. So super easy. You know, I talk in metaphors Mm -hmm. and I love a good metaphor. So for example, if you had a mom who was not super nurturing and more hands-off and a little cold, right? You're used to that dynamic. So you're used to somebody not being emotionally sensitive to you and not really maybe meeting your needs or being super nurturing or warm. And then say, I'll just use like a straight woman she gets into a relationship with a man, Mm -hmm. right? And inadvertently, so this is all subconscious stuff, she chooses a man who is emotionally distant. Not because she consciously wants that, because what she actually wants is somebody that sees her, right, and is emotionally supportive, but because that pattern and that dynamic is really familiar to her. Mm -hmm. So at a subconscious level, she's attracted to that. Mm -hmm. She's attracted to this pattern because it's the first one she knew and it was her connection to love is played out. It's like, that's what you associate love with, right? Yes. Yes. Even if your mom was acting, you know, we described it as cold Cold. and, Mm -hmm. and not really there for you emotionally. Right. You're familiar with that growing up. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that you might be look like unconsciously. You're attracted to it. Yeah. You're attracted to it because there's a part of you that feels that as sort of in a weird way, like as home, mm-hmm. like I feel comfortable in that pattern. And another reason why you feel comfortable is because you know what role you're playing in that. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're the one that now as an adult is really used to sort of being angry and demanding because nobody sees her mm-hmm. yet. She's picking partners subconsciously that aren't able to give her that. And yeah. so you feel comfortable in that role as well because you're playing the child, your partner's playing the adult. And that's something that you're really familiar with. Yeah. And so it's actually sort of the cause of why people are like, I often ask people like, okay, like let's say Prince Charming was standing outside of the door, like Mm. the man that can meet all of your emotional needs and he's warm and he's nurturing and he's like super kind and great and loves you and sees you. Some of my clients will have almost like a repulsion, like an aversion. They'll be like, oh, do with that what and do I do with a prince charming that meets all my needs that exactly. sounds like that sounds like it's almost too easy and it's too unfamiliar 
And for a lot of people, like, not real. And for Mm -hmm. many people who have been so programmed to think that that's actually, like, unappealing, Mm -hmm. it's something that they actively push away. Because for them, it involves them being vulnerable enough to receive a partner like that. Yeah. And if we're locked in our ways, oftentimes one of those ways is, like, not being vulnerable, it being really easy to just kind of skirt on the surface level in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so if a man shows up and he's like ready to bear his heart and you're like, well, that means I need to bear my heart. You might run for the hills. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, uh, ew. Yeah. You might run for the hills. (laughs) And you're usually on one side of the spectrum. You're usually on the side of like, ew, that's unappealing. And I don't know about that, which means that you have trouble with vulnerability Mm -hmm. or you're on the other side where you're codependent, where you're easily codependent. And you sort of like glom on to your partner and they, you need them to sort of feel complete and feel whole. Mm -hmm. So it's usually one or the other that we're playing with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Isn't that, I was talking to the other person that I interviewed. Yeah. Sinitra. Mm -hmm. And we were like, isn't it so crazy Mm -hmm. how everything comes back down to like the first three years of your life? Yes. Uh Everything is related to that time period. It really is. Which is crazy. And it goes even further back because- you mentioned passing behaviors down, yeah. right, through families, which mm-hmm. I know that you talk a lot also mm-hmm. about ancestral healing. Yes. And so how does that play a part in like doing inner child work? Absolutely. I think it's sort of like a natural segue when mm-hmm. you're talking about inner child work to talk about ancestral trauma. And I know that people deal with ancestral healing and trauma in sort of different ways. Some people do like the very spiritual, very esoteric ancestral healing where they're like, psychics or mediums and they're actually communicating with passed on family members and trying to figure out what it is that's linked in that way. Mm -hmm. And the way that I do it for me, it's more about understanding the story of your parents, your grandparents, and hopefully maybe even your great grandparents and seeing the patterns and behavior, whether it be things like alcoholism or drug use, things like abuse, deaths in the family, you usually see some things that repeat themselves over and over again. And it might simply be the personalities also, right? So if like grandma was really cold and stern, mom might also be really cold and stern. And then you have trouble being warm or whatever, because Mm -hmm. this is the female archetype that you've always grown up with. right? Right. So for me, it's more like that. It's more investigating like who were the, in this case, the women prior, because it's usually connected sort of in the maternal bloodline, Mm -hmm. what was going on with them and what has been passed down to you that you're seeing as no longer serving you, like no longer serving the life that you want to live and the person that you want to be. More than anything, to gain an understanding of it. So you don't just think like, oh, you know, something's wrong with me because it's so hard for me to be warm or nurturing. It's like, no, no, nothing's wrong with you. That's all you've ever seen. Yeah, I right? think that's, that's everyone's first reaction though, right? Is when they're like, oh, I can't be this way. Something's wrong with me. Absolutely. But it's not necessarily that something's wrong with you. You just, everything's a behavior really that yes. you've learned from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And you can also unlearn those things, just yeah. like habits and yeah. all sorts of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you get in to all <laughs> into of this? this stuff. Yes, because honestly, for me, it was very, very important that I talked to somebody that had that esoteric vibe because right. that's kind of the vibe that I'm on. Yeah. And that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I love how much you lean into your specific target audience right. because I think there are a lot of women out there that would be really interested in talking to you. But I'm mm-hmm. curious, like, what led you here? Well, 
as I think it happens for most people, it was sort of my own journey first, right? Mm -hmm. And I've always been very connected to the spiritual side world, whatever you want to call it. My mom, we grew up Catholic and I put that in quotes because my parents weren't really practicing. They never made us go to mass or anything. We were put in a Catholic school because that was like the best school available. So it was more of an education thing than a religious thing. My parents were kind of like, if y'all want to go to church, fine. But they never pushed it on us. The school pushed it on us, right? So I grew up sort of learning all of the concepts and then like the Catholic guilt and all that stuff because Mm. I went to school with nuns and, you know, that stuff gets really programmed Mm -hmm. into you. But luckily, unluckily, I don't know how you want to word it. But for me, it never felt like it was pushed on me by my family. My parents were always very open and they were kind of like you know, do what you want to do. And where, where are you from? I grew up in Laredo, Laredo, Texas. So a little border town down South, but my parents are originally from Mexico city. Mm -hmm. So they moved to the States when they got married in the seventies and, you know, started their life there as most, you know, people from Mexico do. They just wanted like a better life out there. So they moved across the border and they started their family there. And so I grew up with like Buddhas all over the house. And my mom was very much into like the Buddhist culture and And not just that, but like, I mean, as most Latinas know, like there's such a huge spiritual and almost like witchy side to the Latino culture. Mm -hmm. Like when you look at things like the day of the dead or whatever it is, we have so much influence in that in our culture. So for us, it's kind of normal to do little practices like the crystals or the holy water or the whatever it is. Yeah, we all have like our, we all have our like little, our little like, rituals. Yes. Kind of that, you know, what's weird is it's almost opposing that idea of Catholicism almost, yeah. but it's also within the culture. So it it's is. strangely <laughs> all mixed up. It is. That, you know, because yeah. my family is also, they're Catholic. Right. I'm Filipino. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We're very Spanish influenced. And so we have our version of Day of the Dead too. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's why I feel like it's always just a little bit connected to my family as well. Yeah. It's that feeling of a little bit of esoteric something. something, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's because both of those cultures are rooted. Like if we go way, way, way back in these tribal communities that Mm -hmm. had a lot of sort of the more esoteric connected to the spiritual world type of practices and then Catholicism came in and now it's like two things weaved together which I think is you're right is so interesting because they you know if you're reading textbook Catholicism it is contradicting itself to weave any of that stuff sort Mm -hmm. of in anyway yeah yeah I think it's super (laughs) interesting too I think that it's so funny how they're contradicting each other but yet there's so many cultures that have both sides of this you have it all mixed in yeah you have it all mixed in you were saying that your family your mom has like buddhas around the house yeah and and she she very much introduced me to that world you know she had her own little like and obviously this is talking before the days of like this stuff being like trendy Mm -hmm. she had crystals and she had altars and she would tell me like okay you know if you want something you have to bury like a crystal and a chocolate and a whatever to the earth because you're giving that to mama earth and then like you're going to get something in return or like keep a two dollar bill in your pocket if you want to make oh more my gosh, money yes like, i have two two dollar bills in I, my I wallet saw that and i was like that's super lucky <laughs> that's good but things like so that funny. things that nowadays like everybody's doing because you know somebody saw it on instagram and they picked it up yeah which is <laughs> fine because that's how we spread the message nowadays yeah But it was so funny because, like, I was like, my mom's been doing full moon rituals since, like, 1986. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? This is old news. Yes. She would bring in 
I mean, I don't know what you want to call them, like healers or energy readers or whatever. I remember being like 12 years old and she'd bring in men, like this man. His name was actually Fernando, which is, you know, the masculine version of my name. Is that why? No, you were, you were already born, right? Yes, I was born. Okay. I was like probably like maybe 12 or something. And she brought him in to read the energy of the house and kind of like clear out mm-hmm. whatever. And I remember being like 12 and being like, what the hell is going on? Not understanding this concept yeah. at all. And he came and he like sat next to me. And my mom was like, is it okay if he reads your energy? And he was like this really friendly man. So I wasn't intimidated by him at all. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And he like looked at me and I don't know if he like, I think he put his hand on my head. Mm -hmm. And then he turns to my mom and he was like, she has an indigo aura. That means like she's here to help people and this and that. And I just like filed that away in my brain. For forever. For for, like until I was an adult and even what an aura is or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But anyway, to make a long story short, I was always exposed to that stuff. It didn't seem weird. My mom would go to psychics all the time. Mm -hmm. She had tarot cards. She had angel cards. And so this was a world that I was exposed to pretty early on. Yeah. So when I started doing my master's degree in counseling and I was sort of figuring out what type of therapist I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really sure, but I knew I wanted to incorporate some sort of like, mindfulness, spiritual element to it, because at that point I was already really into yoga. Yeah. And so all of this was starting to sort of come together as two really strong passions. And so when I graduated, just like anyone that graduates, you kind of send out your resume everywhere, cross your fingers and hope somebody hires you. Mm -hmm. In this case, to come into a, like a group practice to be an intern therapist. Okay. And I got an interview at this place here in Austin called Austin Mindfulness Center. It's still around, but it has some different owners. So it's kind of changed since I was there. But I remember walking in and seeing they had a framed Sanskrit writing. And it was the Om Mane Padme Om that I have tattooed here on my wrist. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it and I'm like, okay, if that ain't a sign, like, I don't know what is. Because <laughs> at that point I had had the tattoo already. Oh, okay. And I walked in, they interviewed me. Honestly, like, I think the main reason they hired me was because I spoke Spanish and they just needed a Spanish-speaking therapist. But because I ended up working there, Mm -hmm. I learned about ACT therapy, which is a mindfulness-based therapy that takes a lot of the concepts from Buddhism into account. So it's like present moment awareness and bringing like the present moment into the session and teaching your clients how to breathe and teaching your clients how to like be present with their feelings rather than talking about them. And that was my first taste of a type of therapy that connected with all of the stuff I was learning in yoga. And I was like, oh, this exists. Like, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so I got further trained in that and started working in that style of therapy and kept doing my yoga stuff. And then eventually I did a yoga full on 200 hour training And that really brought everything even more to life for me, like all of the philosophical and theoretical sides of yoga and all the spiritual elements of it, not just the physical practice. Mm -hmm. And I just started falling in love with that world even more. And I think that from there, I knew that the type of therapist that I wanted to be was one that integrated all of the spiritual elements that I was learning in my yoga practice. And then some of the mindfulness stuff that I was learning, working with this specific type of therapy, Mm -hmm. as well as like the psychology element of it. And I mean, for me, it was just like whatever I was naturally attracted to, I would read the books, I would listen to the podcasts, Mm -hmm. I would like dive into it. And I don't remember exactly where I first heard of inner child work, but it made so much sense to me as soon as I heard it. Agreed. And then when I started, like my clients are secretly my guinea pigs because I learned, pick up something new and I'm like, 
let's see how this goes in the session. If it falls flat, you know, I, I don't use it anymore. But if it's something that I see like resonates with my clients, it's obviously something that I want to keep using in there. like a tool, right? Yes. And so I started weaving in a little bit of inner child work. And like I said, the connections were immediate. People mm -hmm. were having like light bulb moments really quickly into the conversation as soon as we started talking about their relationship with their parents. And then I started kind of creating like my own formula for it. Like I would ask specific questions we tie back the relationship to their parents. I'd make them sort of flesh out their relationship with their parents and they'd immediately have an insight and be like, oh yeah, I do this thing with my boyfriend or my girlfriend or my husband or whatever it is that I did with my mom or with my dad by themselves. Like it didn't even take a lot of prompting from me. Yeah. And like the antidote, the medicine, the healing element that then comes around is basically them asking like, what did that child really desire in that moment? Like we said earlier in the example, like maybe it was to be emotionally supported and nurtured. Mm -hmm. The key to that is not waiting for anyone else to give that to you. It's you giving it to you. And so then we come up with this word called reparenting. And that's what that is. You become your own parent, like a new parent, mm -hmm. right? Now as an adult that you're conscious and aware of what that inner child needs and you give yourself whatever that need is on a daily basis as often as you can. And that's kind of what I teach my clients, like the how, you know, through visualization, through prayer, through meditation, through yeah, setting up an altar, works whatever works for them, mm -hmm. how they can connect with that inner child regularly and make sure that they're transmitting that feeling to be seen, to be nurtured, to be told that I love you. It can mm -hmm. be as simple as that yeah. on a regular basis to reprogram the relationship that they have with this part of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know firsthand. I know. <laughs> and so, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I'm just, I'm really good at paying attention to what I'm drawn to. And I don't ever like negate that or write it off because yeah. it's always like, well, if I dive into it and it's not something that I end up resonating with, like, well, whatever. Well, that's fine. Right. Like, you know, you can switch directions. Yes. I mean, I know that you said you had to do the work yourself before. Mm. What was that like for you? Well, it was interesting because I didn't start working with a therapist that did any of this kind of work until pretty recently last year was oh, the really? first time I found a therapist who did somatic work, which is in body. And mm. it's when you stop the session and you're like, all right, let's go into your body now because we've done enough talking and sort of feel what's there mm -hmm. physically. And she also did some ancestral stuff and some energy work. So she was oh, like, cool. yes. So she did all of the things that I was missing because I had only gone to sort of classic therapy before. Yeah, like traditional therapist. Right. Because I hadn't found anyone. Mm -hmm. And so when I found her, she really opened up the doors for me in what this work was like. And obviously, you know, that was at the same time as I was learning about it. It was happening to me with her. And when I started to see the things that it was connecting and bringing up for me, that's when I kind of went like, yeah, this is something that I need to start to bring in and learn more about so I can start doing it with my clients because she helped me open up conversations with my mom that I had never had before. She helped me ask questions about my grandmother and like even before that, the lineage of women in my family that I had never even thought to bring up. And we made so many connections. Yeah. As Wait, can to, I ask you like what kind of question? It yes, was? of course. I'm so, so curious. So she was really interested in sort of figuring out like where the trauma wound was yes. within my family. And she was like, ask about deaths in the family, ask about trauma, ask about 
loss of children, ask about all of these things that sort of make sense would right. cause like a big shakeup. The taboo things. Yes. And the taboo things, especially back in the day, right? So I remember one of the things that came up was I just asked my mom like a set, cause my mom lost a daughter before I was born. Mm -hmm. So I had three sisters and then she lost a daughter when she was still a baby. And then I was born. And so one of the things that came up as I was asking my mom sort of questions about my grandma and everybody else was that there's this pattern of losing daughters in my family. Oh. And my grandmother also lost a daughter. And then mm -hmm. I believe that my grandmother's, I think it was my grandmother's grandmother wow. had twin girls mm -hmm. and lost one of them as well. And so it's just, wow. yeah, it's been this pattern of daughters mm -hmm. either passing like after birth, right? They're not dying during birth, but something happens to them. Either they get sick or there was an accident or something like that. And then also just thinking about like the effects on the mother and the living mm -hmm. children that that has. And so that was one of the things that came up for me as like something that I had never realized. And I just thought that that was so powerful because one of the things that, you know, I also investigate is like, was there anything going on while your mother had you in her, you know, right while she was pregnant yes, with you. Mm -hmm. I read the female brain. Yeah. Long, long time ago before they made it into a movie or whatever mm -hmm. they did. And that was the one thing that stuck out to me so much mm -hmm. in that book was they talk about when women are pregnant, there's something that's connected between the, the mother's feelings at the time and how they are doing in like real life yeah. with the baby yeah. that's growing in your stomach. And I was yeah. like, that's crazy thing. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the reason why we want pregnant women to have no stress and be really chill and relaxed and, you know, make their lives super easy because the fetus picks up on stress, on heightened emotions, on going into fight or flight mode whenever the mom's going through something like that. Mm -hmm. And so the trauma can still happen when you're in vitro. If mom is going through something really difficult, like grieving over a death mm -hmm. in the case of my mom, mm -hmm. that has an effect on you in some way or another. And you know, you can go the really spiritual route or you can just sort of explore it more psychologically. But I'm a big believer that, you know, we're all also like biologically tied because when your grandmother is pregnant with your mom, she already has in her the egg that is you. Yeah. So at one point, you, your mom, and your grandma are all like in the same body. Isn't that mm -hmm. nuts? It is crazy. And so the book, It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. Oh, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, is a great resource for this. And he cites a lot of scientific research that proves that if your grandmother or your mother mm -hmm. or even aunts or someone else in your family went through a really big trauma, mm -hmm. that the likelihood of it being passed down to a child is really high. And that sort of can look like you having really horrible anxiety about X thing. I don't know, like uh, water or something. Yeah. And you not really knowing where that's coming from. And in mm. his book, you know, he writes about how the grandma drowned and wow. the grandkids still had this lingering effect of being scared of water. Things come from somewhere. They do. In some yeah. strange way that mm. you don't even know or understand right mm -hmm. it's like why sometimes if your mom said like one time mm -hmm. a long time ago that she like 
hates this thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I do hate that too. Yeah. And you see it. And you're like, I don't know why I hate that. Yeah, exactly. You <laughs> see it like with food or with different things. Like my mom hates cheese. And like, since I was born, I also always hated cheese. And <laughs> like, so did my what? oldest sister. Right. No, but I got over it. Yeah, I'm like, I was like, you hate cheese. <laughs> yeah. When I turned like 18, I'm like, what have I been doing? Cheese is great. But my mom and my older sister still hate it and never eat it. What? And so like, you even pick up things like that yeah. because if, you know, you hear it, you also get ingrained with certain things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't believe that anything is an accident or that anything is really our fault because we're all products of a bunch of programming. Like whether that it's your family or society Mm -hmm. and it's, you know, in every case it's both because, you know, you don't grow up isolated. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're growing up, you know, in the middle of nowhere, society and culture is always going to have an influence on you as well as your immediate family. Mm -hmm. So you not being able to do something or be good at something or find something really difficult is never your fault. It's always a product of some kind of programming that you received in some way or another. Right. You learned that somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big thank you to Boss Babes ATX for sponsoring season one of the In Bold Company podcast. I love this nonprofit so much because they have been so supportive of In Bold Company since the very, very beginning, and especially with this podcast. So not only have they supported me, but each year they educate and connect 1,500 plus emerging women and non-binary creatives, entrepreneurs, and leaders through their different programs with over 20,000 community members per year attending their programs. And we all know what it's like being an entrepreneur, a creative, or a human just trying to do things. That's hard, especially without access to resources and community to support you. And in May 2020, Boss Babes ATX will be introducing their first ever membership for women and non-binary leaders who are seeking personal and professional development. Membership will be anywhere from $5 to $50 a month, and this membership will include access to personal resource guides, to intimate networking, to trainings with thought leaders and mentors in the community. To learn more about Boss Babes ATX programs and their memberships, head to bossbabes.org and you can use the code INBOLDCO2020 for 10% off anything in their shop, their membership when it launches, and all ticketed Boss Babes ATX events for 2020. You can support them while supporting us. Thank you so much, Boss Babes ATX. Can I ask you, do you have like a really strong, like female maternal power within your family? I'm just curious. Yeah. I think that I sort of grew up always knowing that I came from a long line of like really strong women. Mm -hmm. I mean, starting with my mom and I learned at a pretty early age that I had had a sister who passed. Like my mom never hid it from us. She told us as early on as we could understand what happened. Mm -hmm. She I thank her for this. It wasn't like some family shameful secret. She talked about it and she said, you know, you were born because she passed and we intentionally wanted to have you. And just learning her story about how she dealt with the passing of a child. And then really shortly, either before or after, I don't quite remember right now, but her mother passed away in the same year. Wow. That's a lot. I know. And so imagine like losing your mother and a child in the same year, like, and my mom still being able to 
raise three girls and keep up a household and live in a new country where she wasn't super happy to be because she left all of her family and everything in Mexico. So it starts with my mom and then my grandmother raised eight children. She was like, you know, yeah. like the matriarch, the, the matriarch. Yeah. Like when you think of like a strong Mexican woman that like held the house down with a little bit of an iron fist, which I've learned through, you know, stories of like when my grandma was a little harder on her kids and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then also my dad's mom was also a pretty fierce woman as well. And I had a lot of aunts, you know, my mom was one of eight siblings yeah, um, and none of them were soft. Like they were all strong. They were vocal. They were hard headed. Mm -hmm. They were fiery. And also being raised by a father who instilled in like the three of us, like you make your own mark in this world. And we got, I want to say a little lucky because there's a ton of women in my generation who grew up with Mexican or Latino parents who kind of did get the same old message of like, it's okay to just get married. Like you, you kind of get passed on from dad's hands to husband's hands. Mm -hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's sort of, they might not have gotten instilled in them that like, it's also okay if you want to do something different or mm -hmm. if you want to fight for your own career, or if you want to be single and have zero interest in marriage, just because there's such traditional values that, yeah. you know, a lot of the generation of women that my own and that came before me grew up with. And so we had really liberal parents and my dad and my mom were always like, you don't wait around for a man. You go out and you do your own thing and you mm -hmm. work really hard and you create your own thing. You make your own money. So I think it's, you can see it because in the three of us, we're all, you know, we're all independent and we're like outspoken that. and I'm a little bit of a workaholic, almost like <laughs> to my own fault. Ooh, yeah. But you know, I'm also grateful for that because I mean, my parents grew up in 1950s, 60s, Mexico, which was super conservative. And so to have gotten a pair of parents, like the ones that I did that were open-minded and liberal and told their three daughters, like, you go do your own thing and it's okay if you don't feel like getting married soon or have kids or whatever, yeah. get like, an education and go work. Was, like they allowed was, you yeah. to make your own yeah. path and just and supported us right. too like not just allowed us like our parents gave us everything to succeed they paid for college they helped us uh, in each one of our own sort of different career paths so yeah I got lucky in that sense that's amazing yeah I mean is your connection with women I mean you said you have three sisters too mm -hmm. is that part of the reason why you focus Solely on working with women? I think so. I have a bias. I love women. <laughs> I <laughs> always too. say I'm like the only aspect of my life where I don't love women as much as I love men is my sexuality. <laughs> I'm like, I'm straight, but I really do love women way than I love. I mean, that sounds a little sexist, but I've been lucky enough to grow up in a family system of really strong, amazing women I've always had really great girlfriends, so lucky to have always been surrounded by women growing up that were kind to me and that were good friends and good coworkers. And I obviously, like every woman does, dealt with sort of the, the crap that, you know, the mean girl thing do, yeah. in, in middle school and stuff like that. But luckily, like I had a great group of girlfriends in high school and that followed me into like my current life now. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a girl's girl. Like I love being around women. I love speaking to women. I love talking about women's issues, about feminine energy. And yeah. that is my whole world. I feel like this whole spiritual, esoteric, new age 
thing that we're all moving towards and that the world is trending into is mm-hmm. a feminine energy. Oh, I agree. I'm like, I come from a lot of women. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> we got women everywhere. Yeah. I got aunties, yeah. cousins, mm-hmm. like my mom's very strong, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, I've always really only grown up around women. Mm-hmm. I've always had like a lot of girlfriends. Same. Yeah. Just even now with the things that I do. Right. It just is such a strong feminine power yeah. that always, I, f- I feel like I'm always around. I'm always drawn to that. Yeah. And I just can't help it. I, I feel really comfortable there. Me too. Me too. I feel super comfortable and I love groups of women, like whatever the context is. Yeah, I'm like, like, oh, great. Right? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, and, and you've hosted them and been a part of so many events that are sort of women-focused. And so whether it's like a market or a conversation or a panel or like some of the women's groups that I've led, mm-hmm. the energy immediately for me is just so open and welcoming. And like, there's this sort of intrinsic vibe of like we all get each other and like we're all here for the same reasons and want the same things so yes I've always been a girl's girl woman's woman and it is part of the reason why I said to myself one day you know what I just want to work with women and that's you know some people might look at that as like a risky move because you're chopping off 50% of the population Mm -hmm. for how many clients come in the door but as you know, most marketing and business people know the more niche you are, the more opportunity you have to flourish because you're only speaking to a very specific type of customer. And as the one providing the service on the other end, it's really beautiful that I only work with exactly the type of person I want to work with, which is like what I mentioned earlier, you know, this young woman who's wanting to explore herself not just in tangible ways, but in spiritual ways as well. Mm-hmm. And so when I was brave enough to just make that decision and say, yeah, I'm only going to work with women and and in this style and yada, yada, that's when I started getting my ideal client. Like It was almost like it, everyone came to you. Yeah, it was almost like magnetic. It, it was like every single woman that would, you know, book a call with me to talk with me about what they were going through. I'm like, yes. You're the type of woman you were like, I want yes, to work come with. in. Yeah, Thank you. it was. <laughs> and, you know, that's my little like pro tip to anyone wanting to niche their business down more like don't be afraid to do that because what it ends up doing hopefully is just like the person that walks through your door is exactly the person that you want to work with and you don't ever have to make an exception of working with somebody that isn't really your vibe or Mm -hmm. like that isn't the style that you're going towards or you have to accommodate everybody no don't and don't try to yeah and I don't feel like you need to because if you feel a certain way there's probably definitely other people that are wanting the same thing that you're willing to give or in that same vibe you know that's yeah and they'll tell their friends that are probably similar to them yeah exactly tell their other friends yeah now a lot of my clients are referrals because my women are telling their friends and Mm -hmm. their friends like you said are like-minded yeah so they come on in they want something similar well i mean for you specifically I have not seen any other like holistic, spiritual, which is wild therapist. because we live in Austin, isn't it? Yes. No, I've tried. <laughs> the one therapist that I did go to before <laughs> you, I did love. She was totally a very 70s kind of yeah. Kinda, yeah uh-huh. She was she was really funny. She was yeah. awesome. Yeah. But she was older mm-hmm. and it was like I needed somebody that was more in tune with like me now like you know that modern yes kind of thinking Mm -hmm. and 
less traditional ways of the past because I think that's why people have a hard time going to therapy Mm -hmm. is because what they imagine therapy to be like Mm -hmm. is what the traditional forms of therapy yeah like are yeah like very analytical Mm -hmm. very sort of impersonal it's like the man with the clipboard nodding at you it feels a little intimidating yes it feels very masculine I think when we think of what therapy used to be I mean if we think of like sort of the big names in therapy, it was all males, right? And I think that it's shifted now to make space for and include these types of feminine energies that we're talking about, mm-hmm. the, the sort of more spiritual and esoteric elements of, of a human being, right? Yeah. But I know it's interesting because I think that it's hard to find someone that has their feet in both worlds. Yeah. Which is what I try to tell people when they come in. It's like, we're still going to talk. Like this is still traditional therapy in the sense of like, we're going to talk about stuff and we're Mm going to, we're going to have conversation. But I think that what really draws people in is that they know that this is a place where if they want to get really woo woo or they want to get really spiritual or they want advice or guidance or whatever in these more intangible subjects or themes Mm -hmm. that they have somebody to talk about it as well but they can also come in the next week and say I need some guidance with my career path yeah so what I really pride on doing is being able to give them both because like you said we're all like trending towards this more mystical way of life but we're also modern women who like are working and are trying to balance their lives and like want to do things to make money and Mm -hmm. make their bodies feel good and all of the tangible like you know, worldly things. Mm -hmm. And I live my life that way. Like that's the type of woman that I am. I'm not so far into the thing. If I was, I'd be living in a cabin somewhere counting my crystals, which sounds (laughs) dreamy. I'm like, that'll be me when I'm 65. Wait, what's your rising sign? (laughs) My rising sign. Is a Virgo. Is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you have an earth sign somewhere yeah. there. I know it. Yeah. For sure. Thank God, because my moon is Pisces and my sun is Cancer. So oh. I'd be all feelings all the time, yeah. all water. No, but I have my Virgo rising mm-hmm. that I think is how I can get so much stuff done. And we were just talking about so how I get so, so much stuff done. I think it's my Virgo rising. And I also have some Capricorn in me as well. I think it's in my, it's either in my Mars or my Mercury. But oh, it, that's, that's yeah, good for that. But it keeps me on track as well. So Helps yeah. you get things done. Yeah, it yeah. definitely helps me get things done. Yeah. I was seeing this like medium for a while and every time I would come in, she'd be like, all right, we're going to talk about your Virgo rising because she is taking control and yada, yada. And like, we t- like, like, I don't know where my cancer son was and my Pisces, was they were like, like no. hiding in the back. She's like, your Virgo is taking over. <laughs> and I was like, I know that's like, yeah, that's the workaholic in me. Oh yeah. I, that's why I, I said that. Cause I was like, there's something <laughs> happening here, Yeah, yeah. which is you've gotten your full chart read, right? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know why I'm asking, but I'm yeah. I just got my full chart done That's nice. recently yeah. by this amazing human. Her uh-huh. name is Gretchen. Uh-huh. Do you know her? No, Mara I don't think Astro. so. I don't think I do. Oh, you two for sure would be friends. Oh, well, we'll then connect. I need to meet her. She's great. And she did my chart and we went over it. I think I have it on me somewhere. But mm-hmm. when she read my chart to me, I was like, oh, isn't it nuts? so much sense. Yeah. Yes. She was just like, I always thought I was on the cusp, which... Is an Sagittarius and Capricorn. Yeah, which is not a thing, everybody, mm-hmm. by the way. No, it's not. You're not on the cusp of anything. <laughs> you're on something. Yeah, yeah, you're not on the cusp of anything. Mm-hmm. What it was, though, is that I had a lot of Sagittarius energy. Mm-hmm. 
that was within my whole chart, mm -hmm. which is why I was always feeling very connected to the description of a Sagittarius. And my birthday's near the end of Sagittarius, but it's not. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Capricorn. Yeah. And, you know, it just made so much sense yeah. to me. Yeah. And I know some people that might not be into astrology are like, whatever, Christina, uh -huh. but it really did. It's all about that wanting to explore and to investigate and talk about taboo things. Mm -hmm. And obviously that's why I'm doing yeah. something like this. Yeah. And really focusing on talking to women of color mm -hmm. about their lives, their businesses. Right. Like we've been saying this whole time, everything starts before oh, you're even yeah. born even. Uh -huh. And I mean, for you, so how do you feel about like your culture and like, what do you identify yourself as? Not to put I, people in boxes. No, no, it's fine. I've always identified myself as Mexican. Mm -hmm. And I think for the first time I'm warming up to Mexican-American. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was always Mexican because I was born in Mexico City. Both my parents are Mexican. And, you know, Mexican-American because I've lived here my whole life. I got mm -hmm. my education here. I'm doing my work here. Yes. But bloodline is, you know. Mexican on both sides. And I'm very, very proud of my culture. I love Mexico, the country in and of itself. I think for a long time it got a really bad rap, but now I see people are like sort of, you know, being more open and seeing it for the incredible country that it is. And I love that now people are traveling there more and sort of seeing it for what it is outside of just like a couple of nice beaches. Mm -hmm. It's just like this I mean, full Mexico spectrum. City, Mexico City is obsessed. Oaxaca, San Miguel, like all of those places that are just like these beautiful interior Mexican, like colonial towns. And I've been traveling to Mexico almost every year of my entire life since I was born. So for me, it's more of a first home than a second home. Mm-hmm. Whenever I go back, I just feel so comfortable and so in my element. And there's just, I mean, if you've ever been to Mexico, which I'm sure most people listening have at some point, you know that it's just so warm and it's inviting and it's colorful and it's allowed and it's like ostentatious at times, like big and colorful. And I identify so much with that. And, you know, for me, a lot of my own personal work involved embracing the parts of me that aren't serious and aren't like, like when I was doing my yoga teacher training and I was becoming a yoga teacher, there was an internal war with like, you need to be more subdued and you need to be like this Zen energy. And that's what people are looking mm. for in a therapist and in a yoga mm -hmm. teacher, this like stoic, serious, you know, person. And I'm not that way at all. Like if you really know me even for a little while, you know that I'm like loud and I'm silly and I curse and I make stupid jokes and that kind of, I'm goofy. Mm -hmm. And so for me, a lot of my own work was how to show up in that way, even in areas where, you know, maybe it's sort of been understood that you're supposed to be more serious and buttoned up. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm like most of us Latina and I'm loud and I'm opinionated and I have a fiery temper and I like to be the boss, yeah. right? <laughs> and yeah, you can take those as stereotypes, but I feel proud of those elements of my personality and, and the fact that so many of us are like that. And I think it's the whole matriarch thing, growing up with really strong women sort of as the backbones of our family. Yes. And so for me, it's always been a point of pride. I mean, if you don't know what I look like, I present as white. I have light skin. I have blonde hair. I have lighter mm -hmm. eyes. And so for most of my life, I wasn't exposed to any sort of racism or hard 
negative behaviors because of my ethnicity, because if you see me walking down the street, you assume I'm a white girl. Mm -hmm. But I have experienced enough to know that making your way in any career path, like that's going to come into question. And luckily I live in the city that's so liberal and so open and so embracing of other cultures, but it's also in Texas, which can yeah. be one of the most red states yeah, out there. Yeah, I mean, it's very, if you step outside of if Austin, you step outside of Austin, it is very different right, right. for people that don't live in Austin. Right. Like Austin is so liberal, so open. People are, you know, I don't know, you see weird things all the time. That's, yeah, and it's just like every about, day right? for yeah, us. Yeah, you're like, yes. okay, cool. Uh-huh. But the second you drive somewhere else in Austin, or outside of Austin, 30 minutes out. Things, yeah, things, things are, are changing. Things yeah. are different. But yeah. I think it is important, though, to talk about, like what you said, you don't present mm-hmm. to be Latina, mm-hmm. to be Mexican looking, right? And so I think it's important, though, that people who are white passing still Mm -hmm. understand that you can still really identify to your culture. You could be really proud of who you are. Absolutely. And that no one should be able to take that pride away from you for who you are. And it's interesting because being in my shoes and presenting as white, it's almost like I'm a spy. (laughs) (laughs) So people have made really racially insensitive comments about Mexicans or about Latinos in front of me because they didn't know I was Mexican. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like you see what it's like if there's not a Mexican in the room. And this, again, in Austin has been a very rare occasion. I've been really lucky to mostly be surrounded by people who are very sensitive to that stuff and embracing of different cultures. But I have heard people say things and even clients at times say things because they didn't realize that I was Mexican that remind me that this is still very much a thing that's alive in our culture. These sort of stereotypical assumptions about who we are. And it's usually something about us being ignorant or us being loud and violent or not knowing sort of like, it's usually something around intelligence, which is really unfortunate, but you know, it's very interesting to have that perspective And then as, you know, I usually, my sort of like grenade that I launch at a certain point during that conversation is to say, you know, that Fernie stands for Fernanda (laughs) and people are like, oh shit. They're like, yeah. uh, Wait, what's your maiden name or is, or did uh, you keep your name? I kept my name. So my last name is Barcelo, which is my father's last name. And then my husband's also Mexican. So his last name is Maldonado. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I couldn't remember if you kept your name. Yeah, right. I kept my name. We're a modern Cabo. <laughs> I know. Like, he doesn't like, even care. He's like, if you want to keep it, keep it. I was like, I also have mine. Yeah. Same too. Yeah, he doesn't care about that at all. But yeah, so it's been interesting seeing it from both mm-hmm. ends. And for me right now, just like this movement of people really speaking up for the acknowledgement of how not just like people of color in general, but women of color have sort of always been the group that has been underpaid and underseen. It makes me so, so happy that now we're moving towards this acknowledgement of like their talents and their power and their voices, which are some of the like coolest, most opinionated, but like in the good way voices that are culture could have because they speak from such a rich experience. Yeah. It makes me really happy to see this movement of acknowledgement towards it. I mean, I know I love it. We're all, we're all like, finally it's about time. I'm so excited. (laughs) And you know, I've had so many friends too that have been like, you know, 
for a long time, like I didn't feel so strongly connected to my culture right? because of the way society, you know, just it's the way society has always been. Like yeah. you wanted to assimilate, you wanted to, right. to be part of the majority. Yep. And so then you really ignored that. Right. And I've loved seeing a lot of people that I know really stepping into their cultural identity, stepping into where they come from, mm -hmm. understanding more about their cultures, their backgrounds, their families. And yeah. I just love it so much. Me too. I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think that you're so right in like, at least our age group when we were growing up now seeing younger generations and how quickly, how much more they embrace like the sort of like, screw you. I don't care. I am who I am. It makes mm -hmm. me so excited for like the generations to come. But like our generation of like, yeah, we kind of grew up thinking like, well, I, I just kind of assimilate. I have to like speak white and act white and sort of embrace white culture because I live here mm -hmm. and that's kind of what everyone around me is doing. Yeah. And now we see this shift towards breaking away from that need to be part of right. the majority. Exactly. Because, you know, it's also a little bit about our families, right? They, they immigrated to America yeah. and what they wanted to do when they came to America is they wanted to be part of America. Right. And those are the things that they instilled in their kids, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, go out there, like be part of their culture sure. and like be um, what is quote unquote American. Yeah. I'm um, going to American schools and watching right. American TV and like all of the things that you and I probably both grew up doing. Like doing and yeah. seeing. Mm -hmm. And so it is just so exciting though to see just more diversity out there to really represent the people that are actually living here right. in America. Yeah. There's that have been here for really long periods of time yeah. that, that they don't know. have to like deny these parts of themselves. Yes. Like they don't have to like, you know, pretend to be something that they're not or speak in a way that they don't really want to speak or dress in a mm -hmm. way that they don't really want to. And that for me, like even that shift, like I know like now, like even subtle things, like instead of people pronouncing things in like the American way to say it in Spanish, like, tortilla or whatever <laughs> that people are saying like tortilla like just more of these really subtle ways that people are like I don't need to acclimate anymore like yeah. I can I, I can, can say it yeah. how I want to say it I can dress how I want to dress I can speak how I want to speak I can listen to the music I want to listen to mm -hmm. and like not have to have shame around it or be afraid of what people might respond to it mm -hmm. and just this pride this growth of the pride around cultures yeah it's a really great and a really beautiful thing to see it makes it. me so happy i know i love too. it too well let me ask you one last question yes so are you crushing on any women of color right now that currently. are like currently yes yeah, so whether it's like books tv local businesses in austin just so that people can hear some some people, maybe other women that they could support. Let me think. Oh, you know, it. the first thing that came to mind yeah, was Shakira and J-Lo's performance <laughs> at the Super Bowl. I was like, yes, which was Latinas. so fun. Oh my God. It oh my was gosh, so good. I and had it, such a good time. And it was in Miami, which is so full of Latinos that it, the whole thing, like for many reasons, made me like weepy oh, and like feel so empowered. Also because yes. I've loved those two women for you know, God knows how long I grew up with them I mean, as like two Latina, like superstars. Yes, we all know how I much know. I was like, that, I love that came to so mind. It's like, that was a huge moment for us, but that was really great. Let me think. I feel like I'm saying the really obvious answers, but it made like, like Lizzo, like her just kind of being herself. I feel like that's so, can I use the F word? 
Yeah. Fucking great. <laughs> that she's like, I love how you asked me. It's like, you like curse a lot. Heard me talk. Um, <laughs> like just her empowerment of her body and her voice and her story and everything. And just kind of speaking the truth and being hundred percent herself. I look at that and I go like, fuck yes. Like, thank you for doing that because it just sends this message of like, stop limiting yourself and stop making yourself small because you expanding makes other people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of other, oh gosh. If you know of any, I don't know, local business. I know I've seen you at Craft Fair, so I know that you're out there supporting. Oh, I loved Craft Fair and everybody that participates in it. Any friends that you know? I mean, the first few that comes to mind, let's see. Well, I mean, they're not, some of them are busy, like Kurkuma, the food truck, my friend Rachel, who's sweet. Um, I love Rachel. And yes, and she has an incredible Ayurvedic themed food truck. It's on the east side. Yes, it's on the east side. Um, we'll link the to the Shoma show notes. Too. parking lot. Yes, so good. My friend Lydia, who's half Lebanese, she is an incredible women's coach. So, very similar to the therapy work that I do, but she's an empowerment coach, a women's empowerment coach. Mm-hmm. So her, we'll link her. She can find her on Instagram, Lydia Jorjura. Oh, yeah. Who else? I also love Lydia. I know. She's great. No one else is coming to mind right now, but That's I'm okay. sure there's so me, many. I know. I put people on the spot. I know. I'm on the spot. Like, like, I need oh, to know. I'm so like, I need to think about people. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's okay. But I'm, if I think of more, yeah, I'll send them more, over so you can, can link it in the show notes. Yes. And- People can find other women, women of color, you know, that they can go out and support wherever they're based out of. Right. I can think of a few of my clients, but I can't reveal their names. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who are, like, like, doing really badass things. Is that why you Um, were, like, uh... Yes. And so... I can't say that one. That that we might maybe put in the show notes and not say that they're my clients, but just because of privacy things, I just have to keep their names under wraps. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that has been a behind the scenes look at how many women are doing such cool things because so many of the women that I see are entrepreneurs and mm. they're doing all of this really cool shit. And I'm just like, probably very yes. busy. <laughs> yeah. And very busy. Like we all are, but yeah. So those Yay. are the few that come to mind right okay, now. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so oh, much. So oh my welcome, gosh. It was babe. so great. I know. This is so, so much excited. fun. Yay. Thank you for having oh, for me. Babe. You're the best. Oh, I love well. doing it. This I'm is like, so I much need fun. To come back in here. I always feel so comfortable. <laughs> you're welcome anytime. I was like, yes. Well, you guys can't see where we are right now, but we're at Bernie's office. Yes. It's very great vibes going on. Good here. vibes. Yes. Yeah. There's like, I think there was something. Was there a diffuser? Happening? Yes. There yeah, we did. We like got the diffusers. We've got some plants. We've got there's sunshine. Some smells that are good. Yeah. yeah. Things are happening. There's a plant here. <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah, I want people to come in here and feel like it's a little sanctuary. Oh yeah, no, I'm I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. Thank yeah. you, Bernie. You're welcome, so babe. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Oh, and tell people where they can find you. Yeah, so my website is sort of a one-stop shop for everything and all of my information. It's just Fernie Barcelo, F-E-R-N-Y, B is in boy, A-R-C-E-L-O dot com. And then my Instagram handle is the same at Fernie Barcelo. And I post a lot about my offerings. I do workshops in town. I do trainings. I do groups. So if you're not looking for one-on-one therapy and want more of a group setting thing, you can find out what I'm doing for this year. And then if you do want one-on-one therapy, you can just go on my website or on my Instagram as well. And you can find all the information on how to come in and book a session with me here in town. Yes. And like I said, I'll link it in the show notes. Everyone can find all of her info. Yeah. 
So great. I've also done one of the women's circles. Yes. Those are also amazing. <laughs> Hopefully then, I'm bringing those back soon. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. like, you have to. I was talking to my other friend, Heather, who's also been to one of yours. And she was like, <gasps> Bernie, I love her. And I was like, me too. Yeah. We'll bring those back soon. Right now I'm doing a program called the Wellness Reset, which is a six-week wellness program that talks about psychology, health of the spirit, of the mind, of the body. So that one's already currently going on, but hopefully we'll do that. We'll run that program again, either later in the year or next year. And then, yeah, maybe some group work in the future because I love my women's circles too. All right. Well, that was my episode with Bernie. Hopefully everyone really liked it. I loved it. It was such a great time to talk to her. Like I said, and you guys probably got it. She is the best energy. And so just want to say thank you again for listening all the way through to the end. And if you like the show, share it with a friend you think that would like it too. connect with me on social media. My Instagram is at Christina, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, Perdita. And then in bold company is at in bold company. And of course, we're going to link everything that we talked about in the show notes. And so let me know if you have any questions or if there's something that you want to hear. All right. I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.